Hi, I'm Danny Gavigan, member of Everyman's Resident Company and the creator and host of the brand new podcast you're about to listen to, Everyman Theater's Resident Ghost Company. This podcast was made possible through the generosity of the Galanthus Foundation and listeners like you. Please consider making a donation to support more work like this by texting GHOST, that's G-H-O-S-T, to 44321, or visiting everymantheater.org. Resident acting company member, Beth Hilton. So the first time I ever saw a ghost, this was my very first time, I was 13 years old, maybe a little older, I might have been 14. But anyway, we were driving to my grandmother on Christmas Eve, and it was a really, really bad drive. It was like sleet and dangerous, and my mom was not a good driver in the dark, and it was really bad weather in the dark, we were late. And I see on the side of the road, like this scarecrow in this corner of a field in the middle of nowhere. It's like a hay field. It's like seven feet tall, it's really, really big, and it's dressed like the ghost of Christmas future. You know, the big black cape that goes to the feet and the big open spot for the face. And it's holding a trash can. And I was like, that's a really weird scarecrow. So as we drive by, the scarecrow turns and follows me with its head. So I screamed and panicked. My mom was like, what's going on? What's going on? My mom was very pragmatic. And turns out later she was super psychic and saw ghosts all the time, but she didn't tell me that until much, much later. But she's like, what, what happened? What happened? And I told her what I'd seen. And she goes, you're exaggerating. That didn't happen. I was like, mom, I just saw it. Like the, the headlights saw it as it went. And as we turned, it followed me, right? So we get to grandma's house, whatever. And she goes, look, next time we go up there in the daylight, show me where that was. So we're driving up there like a couple weekends later and I'm like right there in that field, that's where it was. I remember her hands like gripped the steering wheel like really tight, like her knuckles got white. And she's like, you didn't see that there. I was like, I, I did see that there. That's exactly where it was. Took her a little minute. And then she said, my best friend from my high, school friend, high school had a car accident, had a car accident. And her car flipped her over, car flipped over and her neck was broken and like, and like cut. Cut in that in field. That field. That's where she died. That's where she died. And when I was in high school, I was like reading about um, about ghosts and like books and stuff because we didn't have the internet then. Apparently, Charles Dickens based that ghost of Christmas future on a ghost that was like regularly reported to be seen at Christmas time at places where disasters had happened. That figure in the Charles Dickens book was based on like a banshee in Ireland. So it was a commonly seen English kind of ghost. Donald Hicken. I'm just assuming that it's a lot of stuff that goes on that we probably would be aware of if we were more aware. <laughs> but we're not, you know, we're not, we're very busy. <laughs> we're busy up in our heads, you know, thinking about how to succeed without really trying. I'm afraid that we've lost our connection to a lot of spirituality and a lot of um, innocence. And, and I mean, I, you know, I think the Elizabethans, they could see fairies. You know, they, it wasn't like a myth. They, they saw them. You know, you try to talk a, a, an Irishman out of leprechauns and you can forget about it because they've seen them. You know, rural Irish people, they've seen leprechauns, they've seen banshees, 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 banshees. I have a, a, 
a pretty strong history, actually, with ghosts. You, you feel like there's other people guys, there? The poltergeist guy. There's the dance hall girl. There's something kind of creepy upstairs in the rehearsal hall. The cool thing about our theater is the consistency of stories from new people who have the same experience. This is a podcast about a haunted house and its theater company with as many members as it has ghost stories. I'm Danny Gavigan, and this is Everyman Theater's Resident Ghost Company. In my attempt to explain what I saw backstage at Everyman Theater, a theory keeps coming up. It's this idea that ghosts are the manifestation or reverberations of a past traumatic event. We know, as science has proven, trauma can be inherited. But is it visible to future generations? Founding artistic director Vincent Lanchisi. I mean, I haven't experienced any, but, you know, whenever there's a loss of life and the life goes, you see the spirit. Yeah. Leave that, leave the body. I I feel like when, when... A, a spirit is, is energy that has never, it's just moved. It's moved on from a body. Resident acting company member Megan Anderson. Like when a person dies, their, their energy is released. And it makes sense to me that in a place where we've created a haven for energy, that a spirit would be like, yes, I'm, I'm at home here. Have you ever seen the one in, in uh, every band? I, I had. You saw him in Understudy. Understudy. It was right at the top of the show, and I thought it was you. And apparently I saw the same figure that everyone has seen, the guy in the white White suit. Like in a white suit. I kind of thought that this was a guy in a gray suit, but I thought there was somebody in a white suit. There is a guy that walks around the theater and backstage wearing like a white button-down shirt, kind of nice-looking clothes. I often see, and I don't remember the first time it happened, but if I'm sitting at the bar or I'm in the lobby of the theater, the man who hangs out in the mezzanine, when I turn, he's not there, but he's definitely there in my periphery. Well, he's more like a silhouette, right? He's, to, to me, he's wearing a hat and like a coat or a suit, and he strikes me as tall. That, okay, so that's the guy I saw. And, and he's always been in different spots, but primarily, he, I, I feel he bounces around. But upstage left, I saw him during understudy. Bruce is Richard III. Jay is Henry V. You are spear carrier number seven. Let me just share the secret. He is talent free. This guy's the understudy. Apparently. Did I tell you this? Oh, you did? Yeah. The same guy? I mean, it was so vivid. He was Mm -hmm. tall, he was wearing a hat. And that's the the only thing I can think of is it's a whitish suit. It was like somebody grabbed my attention, and then I turned around. The guy was gone, gone, gone. It was really, it was wild. And that's the only time I've ever vividly experienced something like that. I have an angle on this. Resident acting company member Bruce Randolph Nelson. If I may offer a suggestion, mm-hmm. um, when Please. people began talking about ghost sightings. Uh, It was at about the same time that I began reading the science behind why ghost sightings are bullshit. Oh, bullshit. Right. And I wanted to be 
the the dissenting voice in this, if I could, because I don't buy it. I mean, they're out there, I guess, but there were four uh, scientific, scientifically based ideas as to why we are making shit up. One is, it's called selective attention. Uh-huh. And you've got to, if you have a, if you have a minute at some point, Google selective attention test. And what it's going to ask you to do, and I'm not going to give it away because then you're going to be sort of hip to it, but it's six people and they're passing a basketball and you are asked to count how many times the ball gets passed between people wearing white shirts. White shirts. And so you get this sort of tunnel vision as to white shirts. watching what's going on. Meanwhile, white something happens upstage that they then reveal to you, but you were totally clueless because you were so hyper-focused on one thing in one direction. And when you get hyper-focused, you are not totally cognizant of a thing going on over here. And then suddenly when you are, and it doesn't quite make sense, the other thing is confabulating confabulating that our brain just wants to make up to explain something maybe bruce is onto something here was it that i was so hyper focused on the show and not particularly aware of my surroundings backstage that an indescribable trick of the eye suddenly snapped me out of my focus and forced my brain to confabulate this explanation of a ghost the two other things are when it's dark, we're more likely to see things that we think are there but aren't. And a study was done between artists and engineers. And people with a, with a hardcore science background were less likely to see something there that isn't there than artistic types. They were more likely to buy into, oh, there's a guy wearing a fedora. Uh, what's around in the balcony. But I know what I saw. I mean, granted, it was dark backstage, and it was under the green glow of the exit sign, but it was so real. Am I just making all of this up? Is my creative mind just filling in blanks? Am I too artsy? Listen, I'm wide open to believing in everything because I think we don't know a whole lot that we think we know. Resident Acting Company member Deborah Hazlett. And we just don't. And we know that, that matter and energy are constant. We know the laws of physics. So I don't see why we think that we can dismiss things that our brains just don't understand. There was probably a great deal more conventional acceptance of the spirit world before it became a threat to religious dogma. Hmm. I I think organized religion kind of went, well, you know what, this is really, we can't explain this. And if we can't explain it, it can't be around. You know, we, we have to get rid of this notion and so I think a lot of it would, was the supremacy of our minds, the supremacy of our, of our species. I think it's kind of taken us away from an awareness that we're, we're in a kind of a molecular ooze here. 
And, you know, we're, we're just uh, the latest organization of molecules. There's a lot of other stuff going on that if we could just quiet ourselves enough, we might, might be aware of it. Resident audio engineer, Andrew Galen. I think people that are complete skeptics and don't believe, and then they have something that's like this happen, they're probably a little more afraid than the people who kind of believe that it's out there and then just haven't seen it. Probably the, the just the unknown of what it is kind of scares them. If I'm the last one out, you know, and, and I come out of my office door and I walk through the rehearsal hall, uh, I can, I sometimes I'll feel a breeze, a whisk, call it whatever you want. I'll turn around, I'll look, I'll see a glow. It's never, I, I expect it to be scary because I can feel a presence, but when I look, it's calming to me. So I feel like there are people there. <laughs> I know that's crazy, but I feel like there are spirits there. And I feel like they have got to be personas of people who have died that uh, were theater people. I believe all those things. Director of production, Mandy Hall. I don't think that's bullshit. I think that's just the truth. I think there, it just is a ghostly space and you what was the most vivid experience you had of the guy in the white shirt he was around a lot during book of joseph joseph Holder, a man who saw what was coming made the leap and lived to tell the tale because we did sort of like call to the ghosts in that play in a way yeah you know sort of the way that we introduced everybody and the way that we said goodbye to everybody i felt like he was around a lot during that I've seen him in the house, like from being in the booth. I often saw a figure in white, and it always looked like a man in a white shirt who was moving. So I was like, oh, is somebody up from their seat? Are they going? Because often I would say we have a patron coming out to the bathroom because either they make noise, sometimes they fall down, they don't, they go through the wrong doors. I will look again and there won't be anybody there. And he, for me, I see him, he hangs out like sort of house left, so stage right, like by the risers, that it just looks like he's standing there. He would come and stand in that walkway space in the orchestra area of every man, which would be house left, our stage right. Fellow company member, Helen Hedman. And he would watch the show. And the first time I mentioned it, I thought it was somebody with a bad back, because we've all experienced, you've seen people stand up and you find out later, uh, they had a bad yeah. back and they needed to stand. No, there was no actual audience member who had to stand up. But Beth, of course, knew that man in the gray suit or the gray man. He's all over the place. Like, I don't like being in that backstage left area. I don't like leaving there last. I don't like going through there when it's empty. Like, I don't think he's like malicious. I don't think he's going to hurt, but he's, he's, he's a prankster. He does like scary, he likes to scare people. Um, I don't like Yeah. That. You, that makes so much sense to me. You know, it's the first time I really thought about that and talked to you about, it. I think, I think that's what I encountered because there was this kind of like playful spirit to it. It had this sense of someone who was, who was like messing with me. Yes. That's and exactly, I, and that's I immediately exactly thought it was, that's why I thought it was Clint. I thought he was playing dress up. It had that energy. Yeah. And I remember, I like and, then he, and then it was gone. It was completely gone when I turned my head. It was crazy. Whatever the backstage, upstage, left 
thing is, it takes on, it's got its own kind of thing, but it also takes on the energy of the play, right? Like mm. that thing takes on the energy of the play a little bit. Um, Andrew Galen has seen him too. We were um, building the set for Glass Menagerie. You became an obsession. Devotion has made me a witch. So I make myself hateful to my children. I worry so much. And I was doing a lot of welding on the set and building these staircases and, and fire escapes. So I'm kind of facing upstage, house right, where the, uh, the wing is to get on stage from house right from the, the double doors. And I kind of turn around and look behind me because I, I thought I heard something. And I saw a guy with a white button down shirt walking through those double doors. And I kind of just saw a glimpse of the back of him going through it. I'm like, oh, it's just somebody walking through and going out. But then I realized the doors never moved. The doors never opened and closed. The guy just went right through. And you were sure, like, you were positive that's what you saw? Oh, I, I knew I saw somebody. I saw the back of a button-down shirt. I saw the collar. And uh, the back of him kind of going through the doors. I was kind of like, yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of cool. I wasn't really freaked out, just probably because he was going away from me. <laughs> coming towards me, you know, if he was coming near me, I was probably a little more scared. But. <laughs> it was interesting. It was because I had heard all the stories, but I had never seen anything until then. I don't know if he's the FBI agent or if he's the bank robber or, or what, but that's the person that I saw. Wait, wait, wait. Bank robber? FBI agent. It's a fascinating story, especially since there's all this sort of ghost lore uh, going on at, at every man about there being a ghost in the building. I do know or had heard that there was a shootout, that some criminal took refuge in our theater and then the cops came in and fired on the place and killed this person. You know, after we moved in and we heard that story of the FBI shootout in that building, I was like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. There's like a shootout in the movie theater. I was like, oh God, of course this happened here. There was a shootout in our building between the FBI and one of its most wanted. Was that the man I saw backstage? Did I catch a glimpse of a past traumatic event? Find out on the next Resident Ghost Company. Everyman Theater's Resident Ghost Company is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Danny Gavigan. With music by Solar Flare, Kai Angle, Daniel Birch, Chad Crouch, courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. Additional music by Josh Hurwitz. Your support makes every episode possible. Visit everymantheater.org to check out our incredible 30th anniversary season and to make a donation today. Or text GHOST, G-H-O-S-T, to 44321. Every donation, no matter the size, makes a difference.